morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Fuel Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. And I see Trey is already holding for us. Good morning, Trey. Good morning, guys. How are y'all today? Doing great, We're doing good. Wonderful. I'm doing good, too. I um, am doing uh, a couple of things to my 2003 Chevy Express van this morning and wanted to get some advice. Uh, okay. First thing I'm doing is trying to clean the evaporator coils for my air conditioning uh-huh. system. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious, what would you guys use to clean that? Is there an aftermarket product or is it just is. You know, soap and water or what? No, there is a cleaner for evaporator cores that we get to shop. I'm not sure exactly where we get it from. I'm sure parts stores would have it. If not, you could use a condenser cleaner. Okay. Clean the outside condenser is basically the same thing. They're both aluminum coils. So either a condenser cleaner from an air conditioning shop or check with the parts store and see if they don't have evaporator cleaner. But on that one, you take out the blower motor, and you can get in there and do a pretty fair job with it. You can't the, get it completely. The O3, doesn't it have a cabin filter? When did they stop? No, it, a cabin? Does not. It, it does, does not they, have one. They does stopped not. in O3 <laughs> okay. mid-year. Right. The O4s did not have. Right. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will plug up on you and it'll diminish yeah. your airflow considerably. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Also, it could take out the compressor if you don't get because it doesn't flash that refrigerant like it should because it's not getting enough airflow through the now, evaporator. GM offers a retrofit kit to put a cabin filter on that vehicle. Really? Okay. Yeah. it's. I saw it in a technical, technical bulletin about mm-hmm. a month and a half ago. You have to cut the bottom of the box out where the door goes. The embossment is there for the stud, and I think the hook is actually in the box already. Okay. So it's just a matter of cutting the door out and cleaning it up real good. And then if you do that, you can reach right up in there and, and almost touch that evaporator. Yeah, you get to it a lot easier with the access hole, and it would be a good addition, too, to prevent this thing from happening right. again. Yeah, and, no and what you uh-huh. And I'll look up that bulletin for you. I'll just okay. send an email. All right, send an email. It would be probably even easier. Yep, that yep. way. Yep, yep. That way we can send it back and you'll have the information. Okay, I'll do that. All right, uh, the other question I have is I still want to change my spark plugs and wires. Okay. And I was just curious. I haven't ever changed them. They're still the originals. Mm-hmm. And any advice on, I'm worried about, you know, having been this long at 16 years old. Yeah, you know, they should come on out. We, we have fine. very little trouble with those. Only two okay. things on the wires. You'll probably have to tear the wires up to get them off. Just okay. go ahead and plan on those set of wires. A lot of times it's easier just to cut the wire pull it off and take like a little razor knife and slip the boot and peel it off, get to the plug, because okay. they, they just usually glued on. They, yeah. come, they come with a silicone lubricant, put a little bit in any of the spark plug boot, uh-huh. and when you put it back on the plug, next time it's easier to come off. Mm-hmm. They come Got right it. off. And there's two different plug wires that right. can possibly be on that. One is going to be a 748GG, and the other one's a 748HH. The uh-huh. HH is about an inch longer. Make sure you get the right wires back on it. Okay. And you could either bring one of the old wires with you to the parts store, or you can get the number that's on the coil. There'll be a number because it depends on what kind of coil it came equipped with. I, I think they come with Delphi or Melco or something. There's two different calls. Okay. One, one, I think, starts with number 11. The other one starts with number 19. But they can tell by the call number which one you need. But be sure you get the right ones because you put the wrong one. Sometimes if it's too long, it can rub on something. If it's too short, it'll pull off. Okay. And there's not right. much it's- difference, about an inch difference between them. Okay, all right, I will, I will check for that. And then it, speaking of the coils, mm-hmm. would you recommend changing the coils no. at this point? No, okay. no. Those coils almost never go out. I mean, I, I don't think I've – I may I have mean, maybe a handful, one, one yeah. of those coils in the last 15 years. Wow. I mean, they just okay. hardly ever go out. 
Good to know, because they're not cheap. Yeah, no, yeah, no, they rarely go. If it was Ford, I'd say, yeah. Some cars have trouble with the calls, but GM, that's one problem they don't have. Okay, all right. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciate it and love listening to you. Thanks, man. All right. Appreciate you calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we're going back to our phones with Paul. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning, Lou. Yes, sir. How are you? How are you doing? Great, sir. Man, how are you enjoying your retirement? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, good. January, I was retired 10 years, man. I'm wow. loving it. There you go. I'm telling you, man. What is the difference between dot three and dot four, and when would you use dot four? Okay, answer the last one first. You use dot four in a vehicle that calls for dot four, which and is most of your European. Usually going to be European cars. Right. There's a handful of Fords that use dot four. Basically, the difference is you have more alcohol content in dot four, which means the initial boil point is higher. Oh, okay. And before you jump off and say, well, that's great, what it also means is that it will contaminate faster. So uh, while the initial ball point is higher, it will drop its ball point faster than dot three if it's not changed. The Europeans usually drive fast, and they drive hard, and they like the dot four right. because of the higher ball point, but they're also pretty good at maintenance, so they go and they change it every two to three years. Right. Uh, dot three will contaminate slower, although the initial ball point is lower. So they are interchangeable one with another. I mean, I would never put three where four is called for, but you could put four where three is called for as long as you're willing to go in and change it more regularly. Okay. Now, those are the only two brake fluids that are compatible right. in a direction with each other. The dot five is a totally different That's animal. silicone right. type fluid. Not, um, not synthetic, but silicone. It won't work in it most modern right. cars because right. the silicone will, will foam. And then there's a... 5.3 5. 5. or 5.1 or, or something, something like that. that yeah, synthetic fluid, and I think it is backwardly compatible. Okay. But you have yeah. to flush the whole system to do it. So, anyway, yeah, you could uh, – what, what kind of car are you working on? 08 Civic. Okay, and yeah, that probably calls for, what, three? Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. most I of think the, the owner's manual said go ahead and use three. Yeah, most of the Jap cars are big on three, and Honda's right. one of the few companies that actually recommends brake fluid changes. Most of the other ones just don't put it in their maintenance. I don't know why it's a good idea on any car. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I would definitely flush that out and put the dot three back in it. I sure wish they'd come up with one that doesn't absorb moisture and changes chemistry and go sour. Well, I, the problem with that is if moisture did get into time. it, yeah, moisture will inevitably get into the system. It's just if the fluid can't absorb it, it's going to start attacking metal. So it's a good thing. It's kind of like the dispersant in your oil. If water gets in the oil, it's going to suck it up to a point. And that's what it's designed to do. Same thing with brake fluid. It's designed to suck the moisture out of the system. You just got to change it to get it out of there. Right. Okay. All right. Cooling system fluid. Let me ask you this. I remember a while back you had talked about the corrosion inhibitor yes. that's supposed to be in the uh, antifreeze and Correct. everything. All right. Years ago when we used to do our own, there was a product you could buy that had an anti-rust inhibitor, anti-corrosion mm -hmm. inhibitor, and a water pump lubricant. Yeah. Now, would you recommend no. using that today? Absolutely not because the no. water pumps have changed. The reason they've gone to the – see, those had what they call silicates in them and phosphates. That's what was – lubricating the water pump and when you had a mechanical seal that worked great the problem is newer cars have a urethane seal in them and if you put that old phosphate stuff in there it'll eat the seal out the water pump so it's not gonna lubricate it's gonna tear it up oh, okay. that's why they've gone to the oat and the hoat it's just a different setup than what they used prior oh, i see all right tire rotation do you do front to backs or do you front to back and crisscross them it it's, depends. Yeah, it's usually best just to go front to back. That's the easiest and all that. Occasionally, if you get a tire that's chopping, like Brian says, you might cross the take the fronts cross to the rear, let it operate in the opposite direction. It helps with chopping wire, you know, uneven 
wire. If, if you leave them on the back long enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a, lot if, people, if you rotate, they, a lot of people rotate too soon. Right. And it, you don't get the benefit of the rotation if you rotate too soon. Right. If you, if you rotate every 3,000 miles, you're constantly putting them back on the front. So five to 7,000 is usually a little more realistic number, if you, especially if you've got any kind of a wear issue going on. Okay. All right. Appreciate it. Okay, Y'all guys have a great one. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we're going to go ahead and take our first quick little break, but we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way. Take the highway. That's the best. Stressing you out, Mr. Hervorted Supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you... Lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Just in case you don't want to call in, don't get a chance to call in. Maybe something occurred to you during the week. Anytime of during the week, you can always visit the website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form, and send it on in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. And we always appreciate hearing from people. It kind of makes the show more interesting, I find. Yeah, we take a lot of our topics from the email list we get. Email and, and pick callers as well. Sure. If we find something needs a little more attention. Yeah. Ex- expounding <laughs> upon. <laughs> we go to our phone lines. John, good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. Question about an 08 Cadillac. Okay. Leaking antifreeze. Mechanic says it's uh, got a bone head gasket. Could very well. Put the antifreeze in it. Pretty common on a 4.6 yep. liter. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You all work on Most of the time, John, is the car's probably not going to be worth fixing unless you just absolutely love it. Because those are notorious when the head bolts come out, the threads come out with them, and then you end up having to rethread all the block and all that stuff. It's a pretty huge job. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yes, to answer your question, we can do it. But it is a, usually a pretty big job. And normally, by the time they get to that point, you got other problems. It's one of those things you need to think through. If the car is really clean and you really like it, it's and paid it's still for. in good shape. It's going to be cheaper than another yeah. car for sure. But it's it's a pretty big job, and it's usually a job that kind of expands, in my experience, because like I said, when the head bolts come out, most, well, I can't say most times, a lot of times the threads come out of the engine block with them, and you got to go in and helicall all your bolt holes, and then there's several other little pieces that have to be changed while you're in there. And just the yeah. fact the head gas is blown means it's probably been overheated at some point in time, which brings up collateral issues, so... Just something you got to. Everything's been changed on that engine except for head gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's common because, like I said, they get hot and that gets misdiagnosed and people start changing parts hoping to fix the problem. And if you like the car, it's a nice, clean car, does everything you want to do, yeah, it can be done. 
you know, and if a lot of stuff's been changed and it was all done right, then yeah, that should. I, you know what I would recommend to you, John? We have a service called a general inspection. And I would recommend investing a little bit of money and get a general inspection before you start spending any more money. Just because if I go in, I say, hey, look, this car is clean as a pen. Everything else is good except for this. Well, yeah, it's probably worth doing. But if I go in and say, you know, John, the air conditioner is fixing to go out. The transmission fluid is pretty dark. It looks like it's got a lot of metal in it. The brakes are metal on metal. You know, you got three shocks leaking. Well, maybe not. So it would be a way to know exactly where you stand, you know, unless you're aware of, of the condition of the car. Oh, yeah. It's just one of those things you have to kind of make up your mind how much money you want to spend on it. Well, I called y'all, oh, I think about a year ago. Mm -hmm. I had two of them, got rid of one. Mm -hmm. I think it's time to get rid of two. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of times that's the decision people come to because there are some other issues with those engines. Usually they're pretty bad about leaking oil when they get to that state. Uh, They start leaking. North Star's not a good engine. It starts leaking that engine girdle at the bottom, and you got to take the whole motor out of the car and take it apart to fix it. So. I mean, it's nothing on the ground, so that means it's going out the exhaust. Yeah, it could be. could very well be as far as a head gasket. I mean, you can verify yeah. a head gasket pretty easily. Yeah. And it's using probably about half the tank of the reserve. That was relatively yep. common on that engine. If they overheat it once or twice, it would definitely blow the head gaskets. Okay. All right. I got you. Okay, Thank John. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. All Bye-bye. right, man. Bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number, and we're going back to phone lines with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Hey. Yes, sir. I just wanted to tell Brian that my 06 Silverado, now when you get out of it, the radio started turning itself off again. There you well, go. <laughs> good deal. And, you know, we have found out that it is the door switch is hanging up on it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times you can spray a little lubricant in the door striker oh, area, okay. and sometimes it'll free up. Sometimes you have to change the latch assembly. Yes, but what it does, the latch assembly. it's not seeing the door open, and that's the cue to turn the interior off. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it can also set the alarm under it certain will. conditions too. So yeah, it started working again. But well, the other good. thing was the window. What do you use uh, to uh, lubricate that window going up and down? Silicone, dry oh. silicone. Okay, that's what I need to get. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the other thing was, was that guy joking? Or are you really retiring? <laughs> <laughs> I go in on Mondays and give Elizabeth a hand, and I work about <laughs> half a day Tuesday. But I'm, right. I'm gone the rest of the time. Those guys don't need me anymore, man. They <laughs> they know their jobs. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm retired. I know what it is. All right, man. Sometimes you just got to say the hell with it. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You want to be part of the automotive hour? And I was like, now Net. my transport. <laughs> I'm the air in here. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines with Sharon. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing, Doing great, great, ma'am. Good. Just a quick question. I purchased a 2011 Nissan Altima Coupe for my teenage son, mm-hmm. okay. and it seems to be burning more gas than I anticipated. Okay. What could cause that, or what can we check to see if something is going on where it's, it's burning too much fuel? Well, first thing you need to check is see what the rating for the vehicle was, because some of those just don't get that good right. gas mileage. I mean, <laughs> what kind of mileage are you getting with it? I'm not sure yet. We're on our first tank, so yeah. it's, it's burning about a half a tank in like two days. Yeah, so. well, you got to look depends. at the mileage. Yeah, you got to look at the miles and all that. It's okay. a new car to us. We may be driving it a whole lot. And check the actual mileage, see what it is, see if it's normal for the car. Beyond that, if it's abnormal for the car, and that doesn't mean necessarily what you think it should get, but what that car mm-hmm. can get. Things that affect mileage are stuff like a thermostat that's stuck open or someone's taking the thermostat out, it's not getting the full temperature 
or it thinks it's not getting the full temperature because there's two different sensors. One works the gauge and one works the computer. If that sensor is bad and it thinks the engine's cold, because injection doesn't have a choke, it starts double-firing the injectors. So it'll mm-hmm. burn a lot more fuel. Something like a dirty airflow meter, something like a bad oxygen sensor, you can go in and you can read with a scan tool what they call fuel trim, and that's how much fuel it's adding over and above what it should be. And that'll mm-hmm. give you some kind of a clue. But what I would do, go on my website and just type in the word gas mileage or fuel mileage. And there's a big article in there that tells you how to check it and all that properly because a lot of people think they know how to check it, but they don't. And check it a couple of tanks full and see what you're getting and then look it up on the EPA ratings to see what it's supposed to get and see if you're close. I mean, if a big, big part of it, too, Sharon, is going to be the way the car is driven. If you got mm-hmm. a young person in it and they got a little heavy foot, that's going to make it burn a lot more fuel because that car will learn the way you drive. It moves the shift points way out, and it starts reaching the fuel mixture and all to make more power. So a lot of it, a big, big difference, like almost five miles to the gallon, is just driving technique. And there's an article on that on my website as well. But before I really started spending a lot of money on technical stuff, I'd make sure what it's actually getting and make sure it's not normal for the car. Some of those little cars just didn't get that great of mileage like you think they would. Okay. Well, right. thank you guys so much. All right, All right. ma'am. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Alright, two nine one sixty nine oh one is the number. If you want to part of the automotive hour. You made some good points there. A lot of fuel economy is the driver. That's the biggest single factor, I think. Yep. Other than something physically broke like an injector stuck open or something. The driver can make a bigger change. I've seen people sell a car, spend thirty, forty thousand dollars for another car to gain five yep. miles per gallon. Right. And he could have done the same exact thing by driving style. Sure. I mean, I know on the cars that I've had, I'm pretty fanatic. I'm a cheap cheapskate, so I'm always watching fuel mileage. And any car I've ever had, if I start driving 75 instead of 70 or 68 instead, instead of, 70, of 70, right? I can make a huge difference. Yeah, I remember the that, way you accelerate and all that. Yeah, that Buick yeah. was was real. 68 funny about was that. a sweet spot. And generally, when I'm on vacation, I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. I'm just kind sure. of taking my time anyway. I'd set the cruise on 68, and I could get it up to about 35 miles a gallon. Yeah. Now, I could jump up to 70, and it would jump to about 33. <laughs> and if it went over 70, it'd drop down to 30. So five miles to the gallon with five miles an hour. Yeah. It's a significant difference. The way you accelerate coasting when you come to a stop instead mm-hmm. of powering up to the – not only does that save a lot of fuel miles, it saves an awful lot of wear and tear on your brakes. That it does. And the other drivers. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, there are a number of ways. I've got a nice article on the website about fuel mileage. Mm-hmm. And gas right now is relatively inexpensive. It's gone up some in the last six well, months. it but. goes up and it comes down a little bit. And it goes up some more and it comes down a little bit. And Yeah, we're about 230 250 yeah, depending and, on where you shop. And Baton Rouge is one of the lowest in the whole United States. We have right. some of the cheapest fuel in the United States, I guess, because we have so many refineries and stuff around here. But fuel is basically on sale now, I guess, so people don't really pay as much attention to it as they do when the when price really right, right. jumps up and shocks them, you know. We'll go back to our phone. I've got Shelby online. Good morning, Shelby. Yeah, I've got a 08 Ford Sport Track, okay. and the ABS light comes on occasionally. Had it diagnosed, and they said the pump was bad. Yeah. That, but they said it's okay to drive it. It is. I mean, it's just not going to have ABS brake. ABS it's, confuses a lot of people. It's called brakes, but it's technically not the brakes it's an electrical system that monitors the brakes you still yeah. have a full braking system without just like you did without just it. like you had without it 
It's just when the light's on, it's disabled, so you won't have ABS function. Or it's not going to pump the pedal and all when the brakes lock up. And basically, a lot of people are confused by ABS. They think it makes the car stop better or stop faster. It does not. What ABS does is help you to maintain control when you're stopping. In other words, when the tire starts to slide, you lose your steering because the tires are sliding. And what this does, it pulses the brakes so they don't lock up so you won't slide so you have better steering control. But to answer your question, yeah, it would stay on. A light will stay on. It will be off. And those systems, when they first start going out, they would kind of cycle on, cycle off, because sometimes they'd build enough pressure, sometimes they wouldn't. But, yeah, you will still have full brakes. And in Louisiana, that does not fail the vehicle inspection either. Okay. So you're not forced to fix it unless you care to. Yeah. I can't tell any difference. You won't. Only only on an ABS stop would it make a difference. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right, man. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take our second little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. We really appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with us. Give us a call. We'll help you out and get you some advice, try to point you in the right direction. There you go. And should you happen not to get your prime opportunity this morning to get a live answer, you can always get your questions answered by visiting our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G c-o-a-u-t-o dot com there's a contact bar on each and every page click the button a little form's going to pop up and just fill it out with the correct information and send it in there you go couldn't be any easier than that and we were talking a little bit earlier a gentleman called in with the question about rotating, rotating tires. his tires uh-huh. and a secondary question kind of sort of along with that we get probably more email on this than just about anything else and that's the little tire pressure monitoring system sure and that's not one thing, unfortunately. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of different systems they use, different ways they work, they and, all do, and all that. They all basically do the same job. It's just each manufacturer has a different way of relearning the system, if it has to be relearned at all. And you would have to know what make and model you're working with to get the right procedure procedure to do it with. You know, most common is the ones that have a little sensor in each tire, generally as part of the valve stem assembly. Mm-hmm. It's a little transmitter. There's four of them in most cars, although like, Toyota. Toyota has five. They put right. one in a spare tire, too, which is, I think, a really good idea. Well, and for me, that is the really the only one that... The only one I'd really have right. to have, because I can look <laughs> at the other tail if they're flat. But what it does, it's a little transducer, and it senses the pressure in the tire. And 
to do that, it has to have a source of electricity. Obviously, it can't have a big extension cord running to it. So there's a little battery inside of those transmissions. Mm-hmm. In lying the problem, because those batteries are generally going to last somewhere between five and ten years. Sure. Seven being about the average, I guess, seven, eight years. So if you've got a 2012 or 2011 and your light starts flashing on, particularly if it comes on sometimes and doesn't it, come on other times. Right. And you have have gone out and checked you the air have pressure the amount in all in four cars, and it is correct. they're still coming on. The most common thing is the little transmitters go bad. Well, the, the batteries are dying. The battery goes bad, and it's an integral part of the transmitter. It can't be replaced. Right. You if can't you, change the battery. If you look at the back of it, there's some of them have a plastic back on them. Some of them are just hermetically sealed. Right. And you can't dig that stuff out and change the battery. And even if you could, that sensor's pretty much shot anyway yeah. by that time. Some of the newer cars, you can go in with a special tool, and it'll even tell you the percentage remaining on your batteries. Depends on depends on the manufacturer's software. Yeah, if they I think, give you that I or think not. the Toyota will give you the battery life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know GM, the ones we've done so far, have not. Okay. So it just depends on the manufacturer as to if you get battery life. But you always get pressure. You always get the index code mm-hmm. that the computer's using. To identify that sensor. Right. So it just depends on what we're working with. But that's the most common thing by far. Now, another thing that we've seen a lot, it will come in and let's say we check it and the left front sensor is bad. All the other three are working fine right now. So it's a matter of advising the client, and some think one way, some think another. But do you want to replace the one sensor, or do you want to replace all four? Because they're all the same age. One is dead. Mm -hmm. That means the other three are probably not going to be too too long behind and there's only one light right so the light's going to come back on again and i have no problem whatsoever changing one if you're trying to economize or save some money it's just you can't blame me hey the light's back on again you exactly. just change the sensor no 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 we change the sensor for the left front now it's the right rear right and pretty much that way with anything if you want to try to save money that's great you as can long do it as, a number of ways as long as you understand this well, is the ramification for mo- doing it this way almost every case when you're saving money you're taking risks sure and it's kind of like buying stock if you buy a risky stock you can buy it a lot cheaper than you can buy a blue chip stock same thing with buying parts or buying one sensor instead of four or all that what you're paying for is the lack of risk that you're taking correct but if you're willing to assume the risk then you you could save some money, but you can't expect to save the money and expect the shop to take a risk. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. I know we will occasionally get people who come in with a handful of parts and want us to put them on the car, right? And you look at them, they're cheap Chinese aftermarket junk, and you say, "Look, you really want to do this?" Well, yeah, yeah. These these are these are oh no, they're not. These are cheap aftermarket parts. Uh-huh. And well, yeah, okay, as long as you understand, I will install them for you. I will guarantee they put on right. But that's it. If I put it on and the light's still on or the problem's still there, it's on you. Or it comes you back, assume that risk. Or right, it, it comes, comes right back, back two days later. Most people understand that. I had a gentleman in the shop the other day, and he was talking about his window motor. He had a little Nissan product, and he said the OEM motor was about $400. Okay. And he says he can get a rebuilt one off the Internet for like $69. I said, well, okay, that's well, a lot of difference. I, I agree, but there's a reason why one is 400 and 169. Right. Because in my experience, you don't always get what you pay for, but you never get more than you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> that's fact. And he said, well, that's just a lot. Okay, I said, great. You get it. Bring it to me. I sure. will install it. I'll guarantee it's installed correctly. However, if you hit the switch and it doesn't work, 
then it's just round two. Right. And or, there's a lot of labor there. Yeah, and if it goes out again in a week, again, they'll hand you another motor and say, have a nice day, but I'm not putting it in for free. Exactly. <laughs> so if you go with the OEM part, you're assuming a lot less risk. That's not to say an OEM part couldn't be bad also. It's just the risks are significantly lower on that occurring as opposed to some of the other stuff. But we were talking about the TPMS sensors and all that. And like I said, most of them work with a sensor in each wheel, or some of them have five sensors. Most of them have some sort of a reset procedure, although a handful of them will reset themselves. Correct. Some of them, they identify this sensor with this wheel, and if after a rotation, it's actually looking for that numbered sensor in a different position. Right. Because it's just the way some of them are wired up. And I and, think they'll work, but what they'll do is they'll indicate the wrong position. Right. It'll say left front is low, actually it's left rear because you rotated the tire and not relearned Didn't the Didn't relearn the system. And some of you newer Hondas don't use the tire monitor sensors anymore. They've gone back to They've an gone back older to the, system that I always liked a lot. I don't know why they ever got away from that. It worked. It was it great. It worked very well. And it was the items that were already on the vehicle. They just changed some software to make Correct. this system work. Well, it took the ABS sensors. And because when a tire gets low, it gets shorter, so it has to turn faster to keep up with the other tires, it can sense that. Sure. And, and it, it would fire light. I had that on that old Buick I had, and, I mean, if a tire got one or two pounds low, that light came on. Sure. The great thing was you put air in and the light went back out. Yeah. And no sensors change. So let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Jim on the line. Good morning, Jim. Hey, yeah, guys. I got a 2001 Camaro hatchback. Okay. And every time it seems to rain hard, the back um, little hatchback, the little trunk kind of gets water in it. And I check all the rubber. I don't think there's any holes in it. It looks really good. The car's well-maintained. And Jim, I'm going to tell, tell you where those leak more times than not, and it's hard to find. They're actually leaking back around the taillights. And because that water runs down that hatch and goes right on top of taillights and runs on down to the ground from there, if that taillight assembly has ever been taken out for, on either side, there's or a rubber seal behind it. Especially if it's been in an accident and or, it wasn't straightened out correctly. No, I, I, they, the little plastic fell off and I had to buy new taillight assemblies. Mm-hmm. It's very possible that's where the water's very coming in Very possible it's not sealed properly. Sometimes you can go in there and get some caulking of some sort. and see, you got to take the light out and seal around the holes. And then when you put it down, it squishes down and it seals. You can't put it around the outside. Holy mackerel, there's like four holes there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to seal those and good. That's the most common place we see water coming in. You know, I remember some of those actually had a special nut with an O-ring in it that went on the back when you put the taillight assembly in. When you when you tighten the nut down, the mm-hmm. O-ring sealed it right. against the back of the pan. And see, so it could have not been in the replacement, so who knows. Yeah. But that's where I would start looking. Because if you ever look at that big gasket that goes around there, that is really more for wind noise than it is for water. Because oh. that little edge turns up on the edge, you got a channel. That water runs right down that channel and goes out the end. It's not going to come up that channel to get inside the car very long. I mean, unless the gas is completely missing, it might. But if you got any yeah. kind of gasket in there at all, those will usually seal. But it runs down around those taillights, and that's where it comes in most of the time. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm to... Do some experimenting on it and see if I can seal them up. <laughs> yeah, get your good sealer that stays pliable. You don't want to use something like silicone because if you ever have to take it back out, it's going to be glued on. You won't be able to get it off. But some of that stuff that stays pliable, put it around yeah. all the holes. And like I said, build like a little bit there to where when you tighten down, it kind of squeezes in. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm, you could generally I'm a professional seal caulker. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just have to seal around all the little light holes. Yeah, every, everywhere that anything goes through the body of the car. Right. Like mostly Holy the studs. Magical. Generally the yeah. studs, but sometimes there's a hole where the light bulbs, where you can get the light bulb from the backside. Yeah. You got a hole there, too. Yeah, it's like, yeah, one for every light bulb. Yes, so you need to seal around all that. 
All right, I'll try and do that. Okay. The wife, she, she goes check the car every time. Right, it got water in it. Yeah, yep. so I got to get the wet vac out. I couldn't. I couldn't even yeah. tell you how many cars I fixed like that. I've seen that water run all the way into the inside of the car. And one guy changed the heater core in his car because he thought it was leaking the heater core because he was running all the way under the seats and coming up and puddling up in the front, you know? Oh, it ain't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, Jim. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. we still got a few minutes of time left. You give us a call and we'll try to help you out. I think we're going to take our last little quick break and be right back with more. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. Not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm Lewis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between tools, try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call, 291-6901. And that's what Trey did. Good morning, Trey. Hey, guys, I got one more question sure. about uh, this, this uh, air conditioning coil. I'm thinking I'm going to have to actually disconnect it in order to really get it clean because I don't know what's behind it. I can't pull it far enough to see. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm afraid if I you know, were to put a hose to it to kind of clean it out, I'd be getting water and stuff up inside the cabin. And so my question is, do you guys, I don't want to just let the Freon go out into the atmosphere. Right. Is there a place to take it to to, to get it? evacuated or yeah, any automotive shop that does air conditioning work can evacuate the system for you and then okay. uh you come back later after you're done they'd have to vacuum it out again and recharge it but yeah that, they can definitely do that okay all right well that was my question thank you okay so man much. all right trey thanks man bye-bye, bye-bye. all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to part of automotive hours still got a few minutes you were talking a little bit about relearn procedures and right. such on tpms sensors and you know some of your gm vehicles you have to the the module actually uses the remote entry module to, to relearn the system so a lot of your gms you can take and hold the lock and the unlock button down and you hold them down for a certain amount of time and the horn will blow twice mm-hmm. and then you can take the, the activation tool and walk around the vehicle in a certain procedure relearn it and when it's done you either turn the key off or it times itself out and the horn will blow twice again mm-hmm. which is a fairly easy system to relearn some of them not so easy. Some of them are a nightmare. I mean, some of the older GM trucks, you have to turn headlights on and all that There's, kind of stuff. There was also another procedure, depending on the, the year of the vehicle, that you had to go through a procedure. You had to turn the headlights on and off so many times, cycle the key, hit the brake pedal. Yeah. It, it was a big, drawn-out procedure. I think for, some of your Fords are like that also. Mm-hmm. So just remember, you know, tire rotation has gone from an ha- a certain amount yeah. It has actually gone up now because of the process of relearning the sensors. Right. And some places, if they say you'll set a tire off a free rotation, just make sure they also offer free tire pressure relearn. Correct. 
because if not, your senses are going to be reading improperly. But if you're having to pay for tire rotation, that used to be a relatively inexpensive, maybe even in some case free service. Sure. And now there's going to be a charge involved. And the reason being because of the technology that the government has forced on the cars with these sensors having to be relearned, number one, the shop has to buy the tooling to do it. He has to have the service data to do it. He has to look up the information. He has to do the procedure. And and all this takes time. It can eat up more time than rotating tires. Do. Sure. So, and some are fairly straightforward, fairly easy. Some, some of your vehicles you don't have to relearn. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what we're what you're working on, what you own. The procedure is just make sure the air pressure is correct. Yeah, and they'll just learn. Them and they'll learn themselves. On some of them, if you have a Some different have a pressure button. front to rear, you have to relearn when you rotate mm-hmm. because you're changing pressure front to rear. And some of your Toyotas, they have a reset button. Yeah. You turn the key on and you press this button and you watch the light on the dash and it blinks, uh, I think it's three times, okay. which puts it into relearn mode and then you go drive it. Mm-hmm. And when the light goes out, it's relearned itself. Yeah, I know my new Camry has something where you have to drive it because last time y'all rotated tires, I just happened to... Right after I left the shop, I clicked on it, and all the little numbers that's normally on there were just little dashes. Little blanks, yeah. And I'm a little concerned at first, and then I got about, I guess, five miles down the road, right. and they all turned numbers. So apparently it has... It had a process to relearn. It had to relearn once it was reset. But, yeah, there's just any number of different types of systems, quite a bit of complexity there involved. There is. It's really too much, in my opinion. Yeah, and one thing to think about, most of these sensors are inside of the tire, part right. of valve stem. So it's going to involve breaking down four tires, taking the sensors out, replacing the sensors, and the sensors aren't inexpensive. No, some of your sensors can run anywhere from $50 up to $150. Right. So you're talking four sensors, a fairly sizable little repair sure. bill there, five sensors on some. The time to maybe contemplate this is if your car is older, let's say your car is eight years old, it's the original sensors, and you're getting a set of tires. Now, I know you've already laid out the bucks for a good right, set of tires. You're, right. you're already strapped, but... Now is the time. Yeah, while you're there, there's basically almost no extra labor to go ahead and replace the sensors. Exactly. You know they're going to die anyway. So if you like that system and you want to keep it working, that's a good time to do it as opposed to waiting three months. It goes out. You come down. you got to break tires down and all that to get in there to change the sensors again. Sure, and that can run anywhere from 15 to $30, $35 per tire to have those sensors change right and plus the price of the sensor so it can easily get up four five hundred dollars six hundred dollars in some cases to change all these sensors right. out now what a lot of people elect to do at that point is say well i never liked much anyway right so they just don't get it fixed now that's your choice as sure. a driver you but can do that you're gonna have that light on on, on the dash Correct. there's no way to turn it out without repairing the system that light cannot be turned out that comes from class two serial data it's an led in the dash there's no bulb to take out right. there's nothing you can turn off it's going to be on in fact the way the law is written the shop is not allowed to do anything that would cause the system to not work. Correct. That would include taking out the bulb or cutting disabling a wire, the bulb. disabling it in any way, shape, or form. And it's about a $10,000 fine for that. So you're not going to find a lot of legitimate shops that <laughs> they want to do that. take that little task on. So just remember, if you elect not to fix the system, that's great, but the light's going to be on. Yep. You know, Maybe you put a picture of the grandkids up in front of the light or something. <laughs> I don't know. But... In most cases, I know in Louisiana, you do not have to have that operational to get an inspection stick. Correct. In some states, you may. That may be one of the things they check. And if that's the case, then you're going to be forced to repair it. Right. But more and more and more things are going that way. 
the newer cars have a lot more features on them that are just mandated on. Well, and a lot of them are all talking, like you said, on a serial data link now. And when the mod- when you turn the key on, the modules do a check. And if one of the modules doesn't respond, then it turns a light on, mm-hmm. on the dash for one thing. And a lot of them, depending on which module fails, the vehicle may not even function anymore. Right. It may shut any number of other things down because... I know on a lot of the cars, when the, let's say, the traction control system goes down, mm-hmm. now the PCM cannot communicate. communicate with the chassis module or the body module. So what it does is it's going to set a check engine light, which does have to be fixed. Correct. Now it's got a hard code in the check engine light. Can't get an inspection sticker like that. Some of them will shut down the VSC, the vehicle skid control. It'll shut down the ABS. Yep. Just depending on how that system, system is, is configured right. and how critical of the particular module and the nature of the failure of the module or nature of the failure period got so many of these little systems that are just kind of mandated on things like lane departure it's kind of a cool feature i guess because what it does if you like it it'll beep at you if you start to cross the center line or the shoulder line and some of them will actually steer the car back so that it won't go into the other lane accidentally but the thing is that is all going to malfunction at some point in time not only that, if you get a little fender bender, which is very minor, that little camera is over somewhere, either in the bumper or in the right. fender or somewhere. It's moved the position of it. Well, now all those lights are going to pop on. It's not going to function any longer. And it could interfere with your steering and all sorts of other things. So sure. you just have to be mindful that all this stuff is in there. Some cars you can turn the system off. Mm-hmm. Some you can't. It just depends on how that particular system is wire is software into the vehicle. Mm-hmm. I know on my Camry, I've got radar cruise control right and it was in a parking garage and they just bumped the grill just i mean you can barely see it but it did bend one of those plastic things right above that little camera Uh uh-huh and i've noticed since then now if it starts to rain hard it pops up and says clean sensor and what it is it's just not pointing straight ahead and so in like a rainstorm or something you can't see so it just shuts the system down sure so every time it rains hard i don't have cruise control (laughs) So I'm not going to change that entire grill. That would be hundreds and hundreds of dollars, but I'm, there may be a way we could take it out and repoint it. Maybe. Next time I'll get it in for an oil change, I'm going to have you look at that All right. and, and see. But it's just lots and lots and lots of stuff on the cars. Well, and that Camry has the, uh, like you were saying, the, the radar cruise. Mm-hmm. It also has the lane departure. And the lane departure has a sensor in the windshield. Okay. And a lot of times the windshields get changed in those vehicles because they break. Mm-hmm. The owner may not know it's there. The company putting the windshield in may not even know it's there. Yeah, it doesn't function. They put in the wrong windshield. Now this system doesn't function anymore. And it's a major ordeal to figure out why this system is not functioning Well, anymore. and the windshield's going to cost more to boot. Right. It's like <clears throat> we used to see the rain-sensing windshield wipers. Again, they had a little spot in the windshield that was different, made to hold that sensor, which was usually part of the rearview mirror. But if you put the wrong kind of windshield in or didn't get that in or there's a little seal in there that went in there didn't and all, it that fell out of place, then the windshield wipers would not function anymore. Right. So, you know, it's just lots and lots of that kind of stuff. It's kind of cool if you like it. Just expect that it's going to break, and when it breaks, it's going to be expensive to repair. Well, that's it. And even things like, again, going back to lane departure, if you do a front-end alignment under some cases, you have to go back and reset these cameras now. Correct. Because they're based on the center line of the car. And so if, if you, you change set, the center line. Mm-hmm, if you change that from where it was, then you may have to relearn all these cameras. Now, and, a front-end alignment normally takes somewhere around an hour. But to set up all the 
apparatus and go through the procedure to set these cameras can easily eat up another hour. Easily. Maybe two. Maybe two. So the price of a front end alignment or an alignment, wheel alignment just may went have up. just <laughs> gone up three times. Correct. Where it used to be. So it's, again, everything is nice, but everything has a price. Comes with a cost. Just like the tire pressure sensors, they're nice to tell you, hey, your tire's low, which, I mean, me, technically, I can walk around the car and pretty much tell you the same thing with a little gauge, but when they do go out, or when you change tires, or if one gets broken or whatever, there's going to be a cost involved in repairing that. Exactly. I see we're just about a time. Start winding on up, getting ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written review and fill it out for us. That's right. And if you can't find a written review on your service, you just go to Google and just go to our shop, which is agcoauto.com. You can just go ahead and leave a rating there, and then we'd appreciate that as well. Hey, preceding was opinion. Based on our experience in the automotive industry, have a great weekend.